Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Good Stuff podcast brought to you from Buy From Creative Agency. Each week we talk to good people doing good things. Hello and welcome Gary. It's so lovely to have you join us here today. Um, for those... Such a lovely day as well. Such a gorgeous day to be inside. If only if we were having a conversation out in a garden somewhere, that would be... Wine. What, is it too early? What's the time? Bottle of wine. Definitely a bottle of wine. <laughs> so, Gary, um, for those who kind of don't know anything about you, obviously, you know, we work together. I've known you for a while through the Gifford Association, but um, it, perhaps introduce yourself if that's okay. Yeah, sure. So, Gary Schaffer, um, I am the Managing Director of Sock Academy. Uh, which is a company that myself and my partner Paul founded back in 2005 or six, um, so about 15, 16 years ago, and recently sold in sold it in March. So big transition for me and Paul, and, and a big life event. Um, before I joined, Paul started Soccer Academy in about 2005, but I didn't actually join it until 2015 as MD because I carried on with a proper job. Um, <laughs> As I always say, like owning your business is not a proper job, but, you know, like a proper job where you get paid. Um, And I was I ended up through my career, I ended up as a a vice president at DHL. So a big, fancy corporate career, which I gave up the whole lot, two PAs and God knows what and driven here and there and everywhere and a life of luxury. It was hard work, uh, but good fun. Gave it all up to join the business when the business could theoretically afford me. and then joined as MD to do the leadership side and the people side. Paul's really good at the strategy, the planning um, and the back office. And I think we decided that if we came together, that combination would be really, really great. And it turned out to be. So, yeah, fast forward five, six years, um, ready for our next chapter. Well, that's so exciting. Well, congratulations on the sale because that's a massive move, isn't it? Really, um, and how what kind of decision making in in kind of involved in that move because that's huge, isn't it? Because I think one of the things that um, has really struck me about Stock Academy is the company culture and how incredible the company culture is. Perhaps, kind of, could you talk a little bit about the nurturing because you came in to do the people and what's what's important for you in terms of managing and creating a really good company culture, and then perhaps how that's kind of led you to make the decisions that you have about the move. I think you know what I think, Louise. You know, Paul and I. Paul also had a, a quite a big corporate career. He's a, a doctor and he was in pharmaceuticals and marketing. So quite senior as well before we started Soccer Academy. Um, and we really learned how, through all of our jobs, how not to do it and you know how, how to be a not good boss and how not to treat people. You know, and sometimes I've always said, you know, when you've got a bad boss or you're in a bad culture, that's when you kind of learn the most. It might be a really horrendous environment and you might dread Monday mornings, but actually alongside that, sometimes you're learning the most. And that happened to us as it happens to everybody. And we took all of that knowledge and decided, and now we wrote it down on a sheet of paper. When we start our own business, this is what's important to us. And it was really, really clear that we would put people first, um, that we would put uh, service and customers next, and that that if we got those two right, then the profits would look after themselves. So it was quite a bold step because all the businesses that we worked in, it was shareholder value profits, number one, and you have to fit in. And then number two was to get that, everybody needs to behave like a certain way. And then after that is the employees. If you didn't 
behave like the second bucket, then out you go. But we turned it on its head. We put people first, really valued um, their belief systems, what they wanted out of their careers, really took time to understand new stuff, clearly. We, 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 we ran a successful business. And at the same time, we knew that there's people that can do a lot of stuff better than us. And it was really important for us to have people that were better than us all around us. Yeah. Um, and, and it became quite a kind of really um, engaging environment just by the fact that we gave people freedom to way, way before kind of, you know, it was lockdowns and coronavirus and everybody suddenly had a bit of freedom. We working at home and making their own choices and work-life balance. We kind of started to build that in from the start. Everybody, hopefully, you know, it's easy. I will, I will say, Louise, it's easy as the head of an organisation, however small or big, to have rose-coloured glasses on. So if you speak to my team, they might say something different. But again, we've done surveys, you know, private surveys. We've got companies in to speak to them one-on-one um, -on -one to give honest feedback anonymously. And the feedback that we've got is that they really, really appreciate the fact that we have taken the time to develop them, care about them, understand them, and really know what their strengths are and build on their strengths to benefit the business. And really, that, and, which, and you know, we just have loads of fun. I mean, it's like a, in the office, now we're all back in the office three days a week. It's like a carry-on film. <laughs> seriously, you know, seriously. And it's, it's, it's loads of fun. Very respectful, I would say, um, but it, it's just like being in a lounge, doing work and enjoying yourself with your friends. And I think if you can get that culture, and a lot of companies are quite scared because they worry about productivity and they worry about, you know, yeah. you know, profits. If you get that right first off, if you put that first as your key priority, everything else looks after itself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's so that's absolutely the kind of the ethos and the methodology that I kind of believe in here as well. But I think it's and it's so clear when dealing with anybody in Sock Academy that their kind of like respect for the business, their love for it, the joy that they have, the how relaxed they are, but while still working really hard. It's, you know, I think the company culture is the thing that I've that I picked up on so quickly. So it's it's really there and it and it's and it's everybody together, which is great. And I think that must have really helped through the pandemic, did it? To know it that really everybody did. could support each other from afar. You really did. I mean, we had, uh, you know, my, my philosophy has always been the same with Paul. We want everybody that works in the business, you, I want them to be happy it's Friday and happy it's Monday. There's nothing worse than living your life with that Sunday night dread. Nobody should have to feel like that. You know, it's just awful. And I've felt like that, you know, and I want people to go to sleep on Sunday and wake up Monday and, and be all right with it, you know, and be yeah, excited absolutely. about going into work and having a laugh, seeing their mates and, you know, you know, doing some fun stuff, you know, inventing some stuff, speaking to some customers, designing some new products and, you know, and it's so important, you know, but you're right, during the, um, the pandemic when we were all working at home, it was, it, it was that culture that really kept us together and, and kept us successful. And I think we had, an 11 o'clock call from right at the very start every single day. And we still have that 11 o'clock call every single day for people that aren't in the office. Everybody goes around, says what news they've got, the successes, what they're worried about, the challenges, any risks they can think of. Um, we all go through our to-do lists. I mean, it only takes half an hour uh, and it's the most important time of the day. And just to connect like that 
Um, and, and I think the fact that we had such a positive, strong culture to start with meant that everyone was really okay with that 11 o'clock every day, just, just to sort of check in and make sure everything's all right and make sure their colleagues were okay. Yeah, I think that's fantastic because I think that's one of the things that I found really hard in lockdown was, you know, not having those touch points, being able to that like, we have, I mean, again, we spoke every day, but you know, when you're actually in an office and you're able to see the whites yeah. of the rise and you can really see if somebody really is okay and you can bounce those ideas off. But like you say, once you, you know that they can reach out and you can still find, find that joy and that why even from a distance. So yeah. what's it, it been is- like coming back? Oh, it's brilliant. It? It's brilliant because, because I, I, you know what, over the last couple of years, I've been, this works really nicely, you know, working at home and I quite like it. Everyone likes it. You know, we're, you know, we're still selling and we're still inventing and we're still designing and we're still manufacturing. It's all going up. But then once we sold the business, uh, kind of March time, it was time to get back in because we had new owners and they wanted to sort of be with the team and, you know, um, and that was fine. Everyone was up for that. And because it's always been a really coaching environment you know I've always really encouraged the managers to coach their staff to really listen to really get under their skin to really understand you know if if the employee is receptive what's going on in their whole life and see how you can help without intruding and you know because work life is all become one thing I think yeah. you know we don't go home and forget about work okay no, absolutely I'm not, I'm not insinuating that everyone should work 24 hours a day the exact opposite but I think what goes on in people's lives can also influence how they perform at work and I think a good leader and a good manager really takes time to understand that so we've been always a really sort of coaching environment and being back in the office it's I can see the managers and I can see myself just observing and listening and you can just pick up the nuances of somebody that something's not right and you can jump on it straight away and I think and with them and support them and help them if they want it and then you know work through to a really good conclusion but you can't do that when you're at home so it's been everything's such a lot faster when you're in the office because you can do it straight away it's there yeah absolutely yeah so how like with with everything that you like you are integral to that company culture you've managed it you've created it you've nurtured it So how hard was it therefore to contemplate and to find a buyer for the business in the light of the importance of the people and the culture being kind of defining? It's a really good question. I know, and it's a really good question. And and I think over the last couple of years, um, Paul and I, we didn't have a sort of conscious, it wasn't spoken that we would want to sell it in the sort of midterm. Um, but I suppose separately, we both had that in our mind, that that was the end game eventually. Um, and I think subconsciously, we spent a lot of time making sure that it wasn't, people didn't work for Gary and Paul, they worked for Soccer Academy and making that transition from the staff by giving them more power that to sort of control the, their own cultures within themselves and their teams to really make decisions about, you know, what the culture should be, what the pixie dust of the business is rather than me and Paul. So I suppose in a sense, we sort of started to very slowly step back uh, purposefully to give um, the senior leaders in the business the chance to run with the culture, having felt comfortable that over the last 15 years we've stitched it in properly. Yeah. You know, it's a proper bit of tailoring. It's not going to come to bits, right? It's not going to yeah. fall to bits. Um, once we were happy that that was the case, we could sort of start to step back and then feel quite, you know, assured that the culture would be 
that going forward and for the new owners it was very important for them as well because you know nobody wants to buy a business then the founders leave and everything goes to rat shit right everybody wants you know what they've bought to stay the same and we wanted that as well so over the last couple of years we've been very careful about sort of stepping back really feeling comfortable that you know it's locked in yeah absolutely and it wasn't just because me and paul have got loads of charisma or we run the business you know we're, we're really happy that it's locked into the culture without us there as well that's brilliant and brilliant that you were able to kind of find a, a match that would hold true to those values as well for whom it would be equally important for company culture to make you know and i'd say to anybody that that listens and they kind of got it on their minds about exiting i'd say you know for us it was the most important thing you know it really really was we put our life and soul into it you know the old thing it's our baby well it's not really a baby it's a teenager probably now um but but it kind of is we started it from a piece of paper and um we love the people uh we you know they're friends now i mean you know they're younger than us obviously but they're like they're like our kids really um and it was really important that 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 was that was maintained and it was cherished and it was nurtured so you know we had lots of options um whether it was trade sale or non-trade sale and one of the things we we said right up front is whoever buys this organization has to maintain its integrity grow the best bits of it help change the not good bits of it but really let the team stay as they are do as they are and, and leave them to it and that's exactly what we found so we're, we're so it's great so we've kind of started roundabout haven't we we usually start at the beginning of the journey but it's, it's really interesting yeah. to start at the end because actually that's where you're at at the moment and so therefore that's kind of the you know really interesting but to bring us back to that piece of paper at the beginning like why socks and why your particular um ethos with socks um, it's a good question, and and it, and I can't honestly remember to be honest with you. I know it's on the website actually on our own website about how it happened. We were in the pub, and then Paul was talking about some. Paul's quite clever, and I'm not that clever. So Paul's a Paul's a brain box, and goes off on tangents. Um, and when we're in the pub, I'm just more interested in how many glasses of wine I can get down my neck. <laughs> he starts that's that's kind of you know my equation um but paul starts talking about stuff mm-hmm. and then he just started, started talking about things that sort of match but don't match i suppose you know like fish and chips um and then he we started to and i i can't remember the conversation exactly but we got onto socks for some reason i don't know why and then uh we had the idea of doing odd socks and that was it it was that simple it was that simple um we didn't have a clue what we were doing paul was ready for a career change i certainly wasn't at the time i was flying high and doing this that and the other um but he was ready to do something else and um we didn't know what we were doing we didn't have a clue about manufacturing we didn't have a clue about business we didn't know well that's not true i mean business has been in my family and in paul so we kind of it's in the blood a little bit um and we found a factory we designed a product with them which was my first odd socks and it was a box of 10 different colored socks for babies uh, that was one product Paul took it to this tiny little trade show god knows what in a village hall we found somewhere miles away and sold a few um, and then got interest from some retailers from independents who took it then um, we with that money we bought out a couple more 
products, all babies and kids. Um, went to our first trade show again, didn't know what we were doing. Um, we started to grow the range, buy more products. One of our customers, I'll never forget this, asked us, uh, Paul was running it from the spare bedroom, by the way. So that was, that was what he was doing on his own all day, having a nervous breakdown every day, um, really not enjoying himself whatsoever. Um, having to do everything, packing the products, the sales, the, you know, the invoicing um, and the finance, everything. Um, and then we had a customer, I remember, do, do you do drop ship? We had absolutely no idea what it was. So thank God Google was around then. So no, we don't want to do drop ship. And um, we just faked it till we made it, really. We just, just made it up as we went along. Um, but as we went along, we sort of started to understand the manufacturing of hosiery and, you know, what customers wanted and how to deal with customers. Um, and it just grew and grew and grew. And, and uh, now we've got three brands in the business, Cockney Spaniel, United Oz Socks, which is the biggest, Cockney Spaniel, which is the cheeky socks, and then Cookie Melon, which is the, the baby socks. Um, uh, yeah, and... Uh, there's probably 12 of us now it just grew and grew and grew for us the secret was really understanding what customers want and being flexible from the start you know yeah. it was really you know sale or return no minimums tiny little pack sizes flexibility something didn't sell send it back we'll send you something else right from the very start with our independence you know so those customer relationships with your kind of retailers must, have, you know, must have bred some real loyalty over the years. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we're standing at a trade show and people coming to us time and time and time again. Why would I buy old socks? I've got loads in my drawer. People just didn't get it. And there was something in us that just did not give up. We just didn't give up. I don't know what it was, but we must have had this kind of like inner belief that it was the right thing. And it yeah. wasn't, wasn't blindsided, throw money at it, keep going, even though this is going to go down the drain eventually. We truly believed that this would work once people started to realise it's not about odd socks, it's about the brand. Yeah. And it's about something different. And it's about expressing yourself. And it's, of course you can. Everyone's got odd socks in their drawer or pick two and wear them. But they haven't got United Odd Socks printed on them. Yeah. So once we once we kind of got that across to people, people started to get it. Not for it's like saying, "Why would I buy a sandwich in Pret? I've got bread in my cupboard." Yes, right? of course. That's how that's how we saw it. That comment. Yeah. But it was again and again and again and again, and and eventually, kind of people started to realise as the brand grew that that oh, actually, yeah, no, it's it's something that we want to invest in. And of course, once it goes into shops and online and it starts selling. The rest, you know, the job's done for you then because people just want to buy more of it. Was there a particular event, trade show, moment or even design that you could attribute a bit of a turning point to that yeah, kind absolutely. of reception we, to brand? Me and Paul were at a wedding in Spain and I remember the exact time where we were and it must have been about 2009. And we were sitting there after the wedding, we were sitting there in a square somewhere in the north of Spain. It was nice weather, lovely. We had a couple of drinks, just me and Paul. And we started to think about another product and we came out with a sock exchange. Um, and that was a real turning point. That was our first adult product. And it was obviously a take on the stock exchange, but the sock exchange. And, it, and then, so that was what it was called. And it was for work. Um, and it was black at the top and really highly patterned at the bottom under the shoe. And that flew. 
And after that, we then franchised. We had Sock Exchange Weekend, which for the last 12 years has been one of our biggest products. It just it carries on and on and on. So that's pattern socks for the weekend. Um, then we've got Sock Exchange Hot Shots, Brights and Stripes. So we really franchised it over the years. I think that was a real turning point, you know, that first adult product when we realised that Odd Socks, the bigger market for it was actually not kids, actually yeah. adults. And actually what we realised was that kids can be a bit, we haven't got kids, but can be a bit sort of like, eh, I'm not wearing that if it's going to make me look an idiot. Yeah. Uh, you know, very more, much more conscious of peer pressure and peer group, I think. So um, once we realised that, that influenced how we designed our kids' stuff. But, but it's very, it turns out, and it is, you know, adults are our biggest, particularly in Odd Socks, it's our biggest market is adults. And I yeah. think there was that product that made us realise how are we going to take it to the next level? That's really exciting. So, and that's that um, reflects that inclusivity, that fun, even that fun when you're not meant to be really yeah. in, truly individual, but celebrating everything that makes us unique and individual in ourselves. Yeah, um, yeah, I can totally see. I can totally see that. And over the years, are there um, kind of moments that you take particular pride in other than the sock exchange kind of development are there other moments that you as you kind of reflect back with Paul that you think that was a pretty special moment yeah we I'll tell you what it, we, we uh, probably like most most people we like most people we trade shows we used to fetch and carry everything sort of put the stand up put the posters on the wall a little car back I mean I remember in Harrogate it was pouring rain and we had to go to the underground car park and it's horrendous Show after show. And I remember the first time we had a custom build show and all we had to do was arrive, put the stock out, and it was incredible. I mean, it was enormous, the lighting, the build of it, the builders were there. It was like, it was literally, we felt like we were in Los Angeles having a custom build mansion, like <laughs> you see on the telly. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. I mean, it was the joy of joys. Um, that was a that was a I think a massive moment for us, and obviously the the sort of revenue and financial milestones that you go through. You know, when you know the team have got it, they're firing. You know, when we picked up um, one of our biggest online retailers that we've got. I mean, it's next to one of the biggest one of the biggest retailers in the country. When we picked them up, um, that was that was massive. I mean, that was a massive thing. You know, we had no idea how we were going to fulfill it. We didn't even know if we were going to have enough products from the factory. We just said yes to everything and just worked so hard until we could give them what they wanted. Um, so we won business of the year in, uh, it was the um, Federation of Small Business for Hertfordshire. We won business of the year in 2015 as well. Again, that was that around that time, the 20 sort of 15, when I joined, um, and we were working together, me and Paul. I think that was the moment when it, it just putting the two of us together in the same room, working on yeah. the same thing, that's when it, it catapulted it really unbelievably. I think probably actually, although I'm sort of jabbering away, I think, I think that 2015 moment when we came together was probably the biggest highlight. And we both realised that, man, this could be something enormous. Yeah, that's that shared skill set and that uh, equal desire to make make 
make it with this business and grow it and that shared vision and ethos must have been like lighting the litmus paper and then going right we're off it really was, it really was so powerful and you know because we're, we're very different me and Paul uh, we complement each other he's got very different skill sets to me so we work really well together that's the point you know we don't argue we, we disagree um but to run a business and you know live and work together it's not easy for anybody but I think because we are so different and we respect each other's differences, kind of, we've always said, I want to be more like him and he wants to be more like me. And I think if you recognise that, you put yeah. that into a business situation with a great product, nothing's going to stop you. No, that's really fantastic. Are there if it's like particular lessons that you've learned that you think you could share? Because you've got so much experience and you've had, so, you know, the ups and downs and the growth and, you know, somebody is kind of at the very beginning or early stages of their journey, but they are looking to grow. Because I think a lot of the businesses that are, will listen to this podcast are either one or two kind of two people running them, like lots of SMEs, but not that they want to stay that way, but are at that point where they're getting out of their spare room that Paul was in and they are going to that next phase that real pivotal moment of growth which is absolutely terrifying for businesses because you know you've got to find the resource to invest and to get support to really make this next jump happen so that you go that you know go up instead of down you know at that moment what qualities do you need or what piece of advice do you think um i think i think the top one is make make sure you know this is so easy to say make sure you're making money because you know when you're in the thick of running a business and right at the start even the first few years um just make sure you're making money and you know none and and it's so such a stupid thing to say but so many people I know are just doing what they do and quite proud of themselves and filling their day and you know getting some sales you know working like lunatics and all the rest of it and not making a penny because so you know the the first thing is know your margins understand margins understand what what you what a P&L is how to read a P&L how you get your hands on one, even if, if it's manual, you know, invest in a system to, to, so you know where your costs are, you know what your revenue is, you know how much money you're, gonna, how much money you're making. It's so important because important. one of the things that Paul's always hot on, not so much me because I'm, I'm too busy flying to the moon every day, you know what I'm like. <laughs> um, Paul's always like, you're not doing that because of the margin. We can't sell to them. No, they can't have this discount margin. And he would not let the margin drop below a certain percentage. And it's the most important thing just to make sure you make. That's the first thing you should always do. Make sure you're making money. And don't just do it because, you know, you might be producing notebooks, let's say, and you love them and you've given your life to it and they're beautiful and you've got a few customers, but you might be making a pound a week with all the effort. And that's fine. That's fine at the start, as long as it's going to volumize, as long as you can charge more for them eventually, as long as you're going to have customers who will buy 10,000 units at the price you're currently. So, so make sure you're making money. And I think as you grow, realize that the second you employ somebody, life changes forever. Now, we've always been really lucky. Claire was our first employee, um, and she actually came to join Paul in the spare room after she left university. And fast forward, I think, 12, 13 years. Uh, she is on maternity leave at the minute, but she'll be coming back as managing director, which is incredible. 
incredible. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. It's incredible. I know, it's, it's incredible. It's such a great story about your, that embodies what you've been saying about the culture, that she's, she's grown she's grown and developed and um as a you know as a person and in her career and now has got this amazing opportunity to take the business that she loves so proud we're so proud of her I mean you know um I'm I'm still in the business till she gets back from maternity and then I'll have a handover with her but then she's MD and she was commercial director before she left but she made it to commercial director and me and Paul don't put people in positions that they're not able to do it's really important that that's you know that they have to sort of prove themselves that they're going to really succeed in it first and we give them support and help them towards where they want to get to. But to come back as MD, but going back to what I said, you know, the world changes when you get your first deployed. Your whole focus changes. Everything is different. It's not just about you and your friend or your partner anymore. You've got somebody else's mortgage to pay for and think about and their well-being and how happy they are and what they go home and think and how fulfilled and satisfied they are, how they're motivated. So be prepared when you get your first employee. I mean, you'll know this, Louise, right? You've got loads now as well, same as we have. And and it does change everything for, yeah. the, for the better because you can do more. Your whole half your head now is focused on other people where it wasn't before as well. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, particularly in our industry, which is giftware. And, you know, if there's people that, you know, are in giftware or that kind of market, consumer goods, I'd say always keep focused on what people want. And be really clear, because because we sell, you know, probably we have you know three percent of our sales are on our own website. We're not retailers; it's not our thing. Um, you know, we much prefer wholesale and being the supplier. Um, however, what the web channel does for us is tell us what consumers like, yeah. because when you're dealing with buyers and retailers. They buy kind of what they like often, but it may not be what consumers are buying actually. So it gives you an, gives you an opportunity to influence the retailers if you know what consumers are buying from your own website. We've got products that none of the buyers took um, when we bought them out, and we've shown them the web sales from our own website, which puts these products at number one and two, and then they buy them. So it's really powerful to understand the whole market because you've often got uh, and what we realize is a really interesting dynamic because you've got two sets of customers. You've got the customers that are buying the products um, as retailers and the end user. So you've got the B2B and the, the direct to consumer side. And you have to appeal to them through your marketing. Come on to that in a minute, actually, because that's where you help. Um, you know, you've got your marketing side, your product development. You've got to consider the buyers of the shops and the stores and the online businesses and also the consumers as well so you've got to appeal to everybody and i think i, I mentioned marketing because that's quite important for years we just assumed that our retailers would be doing the marketing not the case and yeah. a few years ago we realized you know what we're going to have to take control of this because the retailers are busy selling the products they're not marketing the products and that's why you know you've been a really great help from we buy from to really help us with our social media because we're a bit rubbish at social media there you go i've said it um and we needed help and you really helped us sort of understand how to do it cost effectively you don't have to spend a fortune on it but if you know what you're doing you can really reach the world and you know social media wasn't a thing when me and Paul started this business but now it's it's the best way to reach retailers and consumers and I think you know so so all of these levers as your business grows whether it's whether it's understanding margins understanding the finances 
understanding the people and the people that work for you, knowing what products to bring out and understanding how to market them. I think those few things are what I would say to anybody who's thinking of expanding are the most important without doubt. Absolutely. That's such valuable advice. Thank you so much. So what are your, uh, what are you looking forward to most when the time comes to say goodbye? You know what? It's really funny. It's really funny. It's, it's the most surreal experience. Everybody thinks it's probably feels like winning the lottery. It doesn't feel like that at all. It's, it's really hard work to get it over the line. Number one. Um, And I remember when we, me and Paul, the day we completed on the sale, I think I had my first meeting at 6.30 in the morning and then we completed at 10.30 at night. Lawyers and solicitors and God knows what, accountants on Zoom calls. And um, we signed, it was all docu-signed, so we signed. And then we realised we hadn't eaten all day, so we just sat there and on sat, we, well, we stood up at the kitchen table counter and just ate sausages really weird just a weird and just like stared at each other <laughs> it's really weird and then you go through a sort of sort of quasi sense of bereavement yeah yeah in a very strange way because it's all you've been doing and thinking about every holiday every christmas day it's all you think about is your business um and then when that starts to not be there anymore it's kind of a really sort of strange sense and we've spoken to a lot of people about it who who, who have gone through the same thing and i'm not moaning louise by the way don't don't think i'm that it's just it's just really interesting about how your mind sort of works through that experience um and i think now a few months on we're coming kind of coming to terms with it but we don't we don't we've got no plans yet we've got no plans yet i think um you know it's a really difficult time for the world you know i think i think we're just gonna let things unfold take it easy for a bit um and yeah see what see what comes next and perhaps enjoy not talking about work at home for a bit. About work, but, but you know, we're still, I mean, I'm, we're still like, we're just 50. So, you know, you know, probably there's kids listening to this thinking, oh yeah, retire for retirement. Um, but when you get to outrage, it's kind of like, you know, there's lots of years left. So lots. whereas, you know, we won't be doing a similar journey, but I think we've still got lots to offer. So I think we're just going to have to really think about long and hard what, what we really would enjoy doing next you know well I think it's inspirational for people listening though to know that that energy and hard work and all of those elements that you've pulled into place in your business that you've spoken about and shared with us that actually it can allow you an exit strategy because all businesses really should have an exit strategy shouldn't they and to allow for the next you know and you have you know you've worked so hard on the business you've built it up and you're still young and now you've got your exit strategy <laughs> and then now the again. you're <laughs> so young, young. Gary. you're so young <laughs> <laughs> so it's really I think it's 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 brilliant and it's I'm super excited for you thanks I mean you know it's uh it we're really excited as well we will get more excited as the time goes and I speak to my mum a lot and she's like why aren't you excited I'm like because it's just so weird it's just such a weird surreal experience and and um you know you do you just need time to reflect on the journey I think because when you're in the journey when you're in the journey and people will relate to this it's like being in the eye of the storm you kind of don't really know Okay, you know what? I'll put it like this. You know, when you're in a bad relationship and all your friends say, you need to get out of that. It's terrible. You need to get out of that. 
not that our business was a bad business, but it's an, an analogy. You just can't see it because you're in the middle of it. And it's only when you're out of something, you go, wow, that was fantastic. Or, wow, that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. And we're in that sort of period now where we've got a chance to reflect. Because, you know, when you said to me, you know, what's gone really well, it's, it's really hard to sort of remember because you just, something goes well, then you're on to the next thing. You don't yeah. ever to think or pat yourself on the back no you, absolutely you just don't do it and everybody around you is going oh it's amazing well done you're like is it okay next um so it's definitely a period of reflection and you know really understanding and I suppose congratulating ourselves really on where we've come because you know hopefully that will come next but at the minute we're just sort of still what the hell's going on sort of thing Oh, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. It's been Pleasure. so lovely seeing your Pleasure. face as well. No one else gets to see your face, but I'm very glad that I did as we got to <laughs> Keep it under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I, you know, I wish you all the success. You must keep in touch, obviously. Oh, yeah, we will. Absolutely. Day. No worries, Louise. All right. See yeah. you soon for some wine. Take care. Yeah, for some wine, definitely. Take care. Bye. Bye.